Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So, if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Hello, podcast friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Back Pain Podcast. Today's episode, we answer the ultimate question, what exercise should I be doing for my lower back pain? Now, every healthcare professional gets asked this, and until now, there hasn't been really any large studies confirming what type of exercise is the best. Assistant Professor Daniel Bellamy was one of the authors who's just answered this question for us in a large study published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. Dr. Bellamy is a physiotherapist and is currently Assistant Professor at Deakin University in Melbourne. He's dedicated the last 15 years to research around the spine, exercise, medical imaging and back pain. Today's episode was focused mainly on chronic lower back pain, which means pain that's been there for more than 12 weeks and doesn't include symptoms like sciatica. For more on those topics, please have a look at our back catalogue for plenty of helpful episodes on many of these different conditions. And if there's still something you don't see covered, please get in touch using the links in the show notes and we'll make sure to do an episode on it for you. So sit back and enjoy the episode and I'll catch you on the next one. So welcome back to another episode of the Back Pain Podcast. Now, Exercise for low back pain, especially chronic low back pain, is a topic that gets thrown around all the time with people always asking, what should I be doing for my back pain? You know, rather than us trail through the research, we uh, reached out to someone that had literally just written the paper on it. So welcome, Dr. Daniel Bellavi, to the Back Pain Podcast. Morning, Rob. Morning, Dave. Or good evening, I should say, at your end. Hi, Daniel. Yeah, it's very, it's very early over there. I think it's, it's 6am over there and it's 9pm here. So we, uh, we had to uh, <laughs> work around each other's schedules, really, didn't we? Yeah. Right. So, Daniel, welcome to the podcast. How Would you like to tell us a little bit about your background, um, your background in healthcare, your background in research, kind of yep. how you got into this, into this subject? Sure. Um, so I, uh, in, in the previous century, I trained as a, as a physiotherapist and uh, graduated in 1999 at the University of Queensland in Brisbane in Australia. And uh, um, I worked as, as a clinical physiotherapist for a couple of years and um, uh, ended up also starting to work at the university as a, as a research assistant and um, ended up uh, orbiting the university a lot more and eventually started a PhD and uh, went to Germany for, for a number of years during PhD and post-PhD and came back to Australia in 2014. And, and I've always been more or less focused on the spine because that, that, that was the topic of my PhD. And uh, here back in, in Melbourne at Deakin, um, I'm leading a research group looking at back pain and exercise, but also clinical guidelines and implementation of, of thereof uh, in, in clinical practice. Brilliant. And then how did you get into the back pain specifically kind of area of research? Is that just something which you found interesting or um, uh, yeah. you know, is it just... It, it, well, the, one of the main reasons why I chose it was because it's such a big challenge. It's such a big, big A, a big problem um, and B, a, a complicated challenge um and it, that I, for me it was a topic which i knew i could sink, sink my teeth into um over years of, of career and try to make a difference to the to, to the field and to patients who are, who are suffering from it as well well it's such a big topic that you know we have yeah. a whole podcast dedicated to it and there is so much out there um there's also so much kind of you know nonsense and bad information out there as well which is another reason why yeah. we wanted to start this and and get people like yourself on from a very evidence-based background um to really you know, root out what works and what doesn't work so people can actually benefit from it. So would you like yeah. to kind of kick us off by telling us about 
you know the the infographic or the paper that you've just kind of um, published um, and kind of tell us a little bit about that you know how 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 that came about sure sure definitely well um the paper we just published which you which you're referring to in the in the British Journal of sports medicine was about um, what kind of exercise works best for for chronic um, low back pain and uh, it, it came about because you know it's a, that's a really basic interesting research question I mean for for the, for the for the professions that are involved in treating back pain for patients who are, who are suffering from chronic back pain um, and uh, you know it, it, there's always been lots of studies out there that have been done individual trials which has shown that this kind of exercise helps or that kind of exercise helps or or some studies showing that another kind of exercise might not help. Um, and there's also been meta-analyses as well too. So meta-analyses, as I'm sure your listeners know, they, 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 they pull data from a series of different studies um, and that are, that are saying a similar kind of treatment. And they look to see, you know, is there really an effect? Because you might have one, one study which shows that, you know, that, I don't know, uh, exercise type A is the bee's knees, but you might have another study on the same kind of exercise which shows that it doesn't really help. So you want to try to pull that information as best you can to, to provide recommendations. And so there was um, there've been a number of individual, what we call pairwise meta-analyses, when that means we used to take, you, you look at one kind of treatment compared to you know, non-treatments or, or other kinds of treatments um, and see how effective it is. And um, so there's been a number of ones out there. So things like showing that, for example, say stabilization exercise works or, or Pilates works or, uh, um, or those kinds of exercise treatments. But the question is, which one's better? Are, all, are, all them, are they all much the same or are they, or are they um, uh, uh, or, or some are be- or are some better than others? And that's what brought us to, do, to look at this, in this, to this particular study. Mm. So this study, how was it different from kind of other studies that you've done previously? Um, and then what did you look at in order to kind of ask that research question? Yeah, well, what, 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 as I mentioned just before, what, what's been done a number of times to show individual randomized controlled trials, individual, these, these pairwise meta-analyses, um, in order to compare different kinds of treatments, there's a methodology which is it's relatively new. I mean, it, it's been around for over ten years, but it's it's uh, uh, it's being used more uh, more and more widely now. Called, called network meta-analysis. Now, um, what that what that means is like you have like a, a, a network of treatments. So you might have say I don't know um, Pilates compared to doing no exercise, um, or you might have aerobic exercise compared to Say having um, getting manual therapy or getting getting back manipulation done, um, and you might have another study which compares Pilates and aerobic exercise and manual therapy, for example. Um, and so you get you get what's like a whole network of treatments set up. And there's in that infographic, which I don't know if you can share with your with your with your listeners, um, uh, it, which we have like this this network map of different kinds of treatments linked to each other. Um, and via that that network, um, you can have, try to have a look at you know so which ones are more effective than others. In, even if say you haven't, I mean looking at, at our own um, one now. So even if you haven't compared say aerobic exercise directly to hydrotherapy or or directly to stretching exercise, you can still, given very assumptions more or less, um, compare those different kinds of, of of therapies or give different kinds of exercise to each other. So that's what differentiated it to the previous studies that have that have been done. Um, because we're really trying to integrate the information from 
all kinds of treatments um, into into one into one analysis. So you create almost like a, a top trumps, Daniel, like like a, a league table that you can compare against of different uh, modalities, exercise therapies, etc. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty Fantastic. much. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a methodology. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a bit tricky. Like it's it's still also being you know, still you know being understood more and and knowing you know, the pitfalls and the pros and cons of. And there's sort of there's there's a number of caveats which I'll touch on uh, when we're when we're talking now i'm sure but uh, but yeah you can you can do an overarching analysis of all these different different treatments and it, it is helping a lot of areas of healthcare in in trying to work out what's the best treatment for, for you know for whether it's for patient outcomes or, or other things so you, you talked about that you know using this research method which you've used and you pulled lots and lots of metronal or lots and lots of different research together how many people and how many different papers are you looking at um, when it comes to producing a paper like this? Yeah, um, well, one of the things I, sh- I should mention is that um, when one of the things we would focus on here is making sure we're looking at exercise. So, um, you know, there, there's some studies, they might say mix exercise in a, in a treatment with, say, having man- manual therapy or, or back manipulation done. And that's a common thing that happens in, that can happen in clinical practice. Um, and that's a normal thing to do with patients. Um, but we were wanting to really pick our studies that just did exercise. So, um, we, we screened, I think it was just under 10,000 individual um, uh, studies and sifted through all of them to, to pick out, okay, which ones um, uh, look at, at exercise for specifically for chronic low back pain. Um, and we ended up pulling out um, 89 studies, uh, with, which included around about um, 5,500 patients in total to um, in, into the analysis. Wow, so that's, a, that's a huge amount of people then, 5,500 people mm-hmm. with chronic low back pain, you know specific to your study that's a lot of that's a mm-hmm. wide pool of data to uh to, to get your research yep. from oh that's that, that's brilliant and can we just clarify as well what you mean by exercise a lot of people listening to this will be thinking uh, you know do you mean a squat do you mean a lunge or do you mean kind of pilates so how did you uh, judge what, what what you meant by terms of exercise yeah that's a good question um i mean exercise for what we're looking at it here is is what kind of exercise so I mean, so a com- I, when, when we talk about exercise, people often think, oh, it's, you might be doing some ab crunches or it might be doing some back extensions. Um, and that is obviously exercise, that's for sure. Um, and what we're, what we're looking here at is the different kinds of exercise. So you might have Pilates as a, as a type of exercise. Or you might have stabilisation exercise, which is, you know, trying to train specific muscles around, around the spine that are thought to be better for, for stabilising the spine or protecting the spine. Um, you know that that that's that that's that, that's that kind, kind or that that type or that mode of exercise is the the term we use in exercise science. Um, or you might have, say, for example, stretch, stretching exercise, or just doing stretching, right? Um, or there might be something like um, doing doing hydrotherapy exercise, so so water based exercise. There can be any kind of exercise in water, but just using water as a medium to to exercise in. Mm. Um, or aerobic exercise, so cycling or going on, a, on an ergometer or even just going for, for walking exercise or, or, um, or treadmill exercise. Um, so it's those different kinds or different modes of exercise. We're not so much talking about specific manoeuvres, like, uh, like I alluded to before, like you, can, you, can do, you might do back extensions or crunches or those sorts of things, but we're not looking at specific movements of the spine and which one's better. It's more kinds of exercise in general. Is, is it much harder to do that? So is it much harder to look at, you know, if there's one particular specific exercise that's better than the others? And is there a reason why it's harder to, to judge, you know, yeah. whether an ab crunch is better than a squat for, for low back pain? Yeah, it, 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 is, it is hard. And so far that um, the studies... That, that get done, they're, they're, 
rarely about comparing, say, one specific exercise manoeuvre, say a squat, to another specific kind of exercise manoeuvre, say an ab crunch. Um, it's just, there just isn't really much out there in terms of uh, in terms of the kinds of studies that get done. Usually, you know, if, if people have a uh, if if there's people who have chronic back pain or back pain, um, the a a, a program of, of exercise will be done or a program of treatment will be done, um, and it's it's that program or that that kind of treatment that gets assessed rather than um, like in, in, in the in the individual studies rather than the individual exercises. Those kind of studies are really are really really rare and. It's, it's, I mean, I'd say it probably doesn't, probably from based upon, which we'll get into uh, shortly, the, the kinds of findings, that, the, the kinds of findings that we had that we, I don't think, you know, squats versus crunches versus back extensions necessarily going to want to be better than the other um, for, for every single person. Um, but we can't comment on that based on the research. Yeah. So, and also, however many, how, how many exercises are there for low back pain? You know, Precisely, a million yeah. you could probably think of. Yeah. Yep. So, what, types of modes of exercise did you look at in this study so what were the main overarching kind of themes of these of these exercises that that you looked at yeah good question um so i alluded to some before so so we looked at say stabilization exercise that was probably one with the most amount of of, uh, studies or patients being being looked at um can you just clarify stabilization exercises do you mean Core stability. Yes, yeah, um, so that's yeah, a core stability. Think of core stability. Yeah, exactly. Balancing and one legs and and more. Well, people might often think of kind of abdominal type stuff, but planks and yeah. TRX stuff and all. You know, that's what you think of. Yeah. So, so core stability would go into that stabilization um, area. Um, uh, things like balancing, depending upon the program, but it probably wouldn't come into 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 core stability per se if it's just a balance type exercise in terms of what we were looking at but but yeah stabilization exercises training those muscles around the trunk um with the view of well, at least when the authors say they're doing they're doing core stability exercise or stabilization exercise training in the core that's what we tend to tend to class as a stabilization exercise so there was that mm. um there was uh very okay, okay multi the next most common one was was multimodal exercise where people mix different exercise forms into one um, and also resistance exercise, um, which is um, you're doing progressive uh, increases in in load uh, and progressing the person through through higher sets, reps, loads, as as you would say in a gym program. Um, also Pilates, of course, as I mentioned before, um, stretching exercises, um, so just doing pure stretching for this for the for the back muscles and those sorts of things. Um, and uh, hydrotherapy, which I flagged, McKenzie exercise as well too, um, and uh, uh, and also that was compared to that was the kind of exercises we looked at. We did try to look at others, like example, say Tai Chi and those sorts of things, but there just weren't enough studies which met the criteria to be able to look at that that kind of exercise. Um, and we compared them to 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 non exercise um, treatments and also non uh, and also no, no treatment at all. So a lot of studies would often have like a group where they got people who just didn't get any treatment as mm. a comparator. So there was, that was a large comparison group. Um, and there were some studies which they compared exercise to manual therapy, right, or exercise to massage. Um, and we, we, we pulled those sorts of non-hand, those sort of manual therapies or hands or massage or non-exercise treatment types into sort of hands-on type treatments. And then there were treatments where, say, you might have just education or you might have uh, – um, uh, like a type of psychotherapy or, or cognitive behavioural therapy, and we we that was we also included studies which looked at looked at those as a comparator as well too. So when you when you have these studies and you have one study that says yeah. you know Pilates is fantastic for 
chronic lower back pain. This, and it's a really good study that says this is good. You then have another study that says resistance training is really, really good for lower back pain. How do you know which one is better than the other or which one is right over the other? Because you obviously well, the, you get well, lots well, of headlines. Yeah, the answer is, yeah, yeah, well, the answer is they're not. <laughs> they're not okay. one, one isn't really more better than the other. I mean, what we um, ended up finding was that things like this, the way that I try to summarize it um, uh, for, for patients is that active exercise therapies, we're taking through an exercise program which, um, uh, uh, which you know, progressively improves in your function and your confidence. Um, but those kind of active exercise programs uh, are likely the most beneficial for chronic back pain. Um, I mean, so for example, Pilates, stabilization exercise, resistance exercise, and I think it was aerobic exercise end up being more or less had the biggest effect sizes or, or the best um, the best uh, effect for, for pain and for, for disability, depending on what we're looking at, and also mental health. Um, and it's those kinds. So, so, I mean, so, for example, stabilization, stabilization exercise um, was, was, was effective, um, Pilates as well too. Having said that, I mean, Pilates, there's much fewer studies looking at it. Um, and uh, um, so when people look at our paper, they might think that, oh, a certain kind of treatment is the best, but it's, I mean, we did say it in the paper, but um, uh, but it's just a certain, a number of treatments, say stabilization, Pilates, resistance, aerobic exercise were uh, effective for chronic back pain. Now, I think this is where a lot of the frustration, um, and, you, and you sort of alluded to that, Daniel, um, a lot of the frustration of people out there listening may come from. You can watch 50 different YouTube videos, 50 different uh, magazine articles. You can buy the same magazine 17 times or, or, you know, 17 months in a row. And each month it says, new science-backed way to cure your back pain. This is the best. You had 89 studies there. Some of them may have disagreed, but they all might have said, this is the best thing comparative to that control group. In that individual study, they were probably right because they're, they're looking at that data. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people might be nodding their head at home or in the car or wherever they're listening, thinking, this is why I've been told four different things, each of which has a scientific a scientific study behind it. Well, which one's right? And that's where you come in, Daniel. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the, one, one piece of advice I might suggest is that, is that the magazines, they need, they need to print something. So they'll just take whatever comes out on the on, on the media currently and, and, and print it. And uh, um, it, it is frustrating, but then obviously it's not the best source of inf- information um, for, for for high quality information and um, mm. but yeah as you're saying that um, uh, a, a number of treatments are effective and I mean we haven't even I'm sure we'll touch on it in a sec we haven't even touched on on the concept that other rather treatments other than exercise that have been shown to be effective for, for chronic back pain as well too uh, mm. and do form part of, of of recommendations and guidelines around around the world in Australia as well um, so um, and there's not yet um, you know, for example, a study comparing, say, exercise, m- manual therapy, psychological therapies, um, medication, those sorts of things, which uh, um, that, that's another big question um, to, to think about. It's something probably we should discuss for your listeners, uh, say, because other, other kinds of treatments can help. Absolutely. That, that's, that's, that was actually what I was going to touch on to next. So it was with, you know, this study showing that, you know, these exercises are good and we know that exercise is very, very good overall for, for low yeah. back pain. Is exercise the best treatment for low back pain, or is you know manual therapy? Is education advice? You know, can you compare those different types of if we put them all under treatments for low back pain? Yeah. Um, well, I, the first thing I say is come back, come back, come back in about a year's time. I'll be answer for you. Um, <laughs> uh, but, Brilliant. Um, have a, a, a absence of that. Um, uh, there, there, there's existing 
guidelines, meta-analyses, overarching articles that, that look at, you know, that bring together the, the, the information about different kinds of treatments for, for chronic back pain. Um, and so, for example, a couple of years ago, there was a series of papers published in The Lancet about, about back pain. And one of them uh, looked at the current meta-analyses um, looking at, at treatments for, for chronic back pain. And so, for example, you know, massage um, isn't very effective for, for chronic back pain. It might, it might give you short-term pain relief, and we all know a massage is nice, right? But in the long run, it's not really going to, to help you with your persistent chronic back pain. Mm. Um, things like, uh, um, say, electrotherapies or, or TENS, uh, um, which is like, you can prompt me with questions about that. We'll say it's ultrasound or, or TENS, those kind of electrotherapeutic modalities, they're not, they're not very effective for chronic back pain. I mean, you may or may not get short-term pain relief, right, but um, it, it won't help you with your back pain long-term. Um, having said that, things like um, uh, cognitive behavioural therapies uh, do seem to, to help with, with, uh, with, with chronic back pain. Um, and uh, that's the education and the you know, education helping them understand pain and you know that that type of approach and say dealing with dealing with fears and those sorts of things and that's and that's I might just just make a sort of segue back to exercise. I mean, you know, exercise isn't just muscles and joints, right? I mean, it's also it's also training the mind, also improving confidence, and that's why I say you know um, having someone take you, take you through a structured program, especially if, you, if you're fearful of movement, if you've you had back pain for a long period of time, you might you might think that you can't you can't do this movement or that movement, right? But uh, once the pain become chronic, there's you know there's no real tissue damage to to worry about per se, right? And it's that sort of uh, gaining confidence in movement and uh, and uh, understanding your body and understanding movement, understanding pain that that comes in as part of exercise as well too, you know. And uh, so that's you know there's many components. We don't really know why it, why why exercise works uh, or what the individual components are, but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, to come back to the treatment. So for example, for medications, there's the, the, there's some evidence that some kinds of medication may help for, for chronic back pain. Um, but say for a paracetamol or for, for muscle relaxants, the, the, the actual effects for uh, aren't significant over long term for, for chronic back pain. Um, Whereas things like um, behavioural treatments or, or multi-disciplinary uh, treatments that they they can help um, uh, mm. with with chronic back pain. But multidisciplinary, I mean, like we have like uh, um, pain doctors, pain scientists, exercise people, um, psychologists working with individual patient. Interesting. I think that w- what you said earlier as well about how kind of alluding on to why exercise works and why exercise is good for back pain that mm. helping people reduce fear of movement is such a big part and a part of this podcast we like to do is you know we like to chuck in some kind of clinical experience that you know we've had recently and this literally came from a patient i spoke to about three hours ago who um, has had a long-term back pain and he's mm-hmm. probably about 95 percent better in terms of having yep. you know 12 18 months of lower back pain his back kept going he had surgery for it you know he's in that kind of you know 95 percent better but he's still very fearful and he still hasn't returned to doing any golf or any tennis because he's terrified of doing it and it's the first time mm. i've seen him today and uh, you know and unpacking that and kind of saying you know what's stopping you and he said i'm just terrified of it going again and he can do all of the movements in a treatment room that you would do on a tennis court. You can lunge, you can jump, you can hop, you can step, you can swing, you can twist. None of it causes any pain. But give him a tennis racket and he will seize up. 
So helping to unpack some beliefs, and it shows how powerful beliefs can be about controlling yeah. fear. And then if you can introduce exercise with a tennis racket, for example, you can slowly unpack those beliefs and slowly change those beliefs. Um, and you haven't laid hands on the patient. You know, you haven't you know, done anything to them to fix them per se. It just helped them understand and help them do movements that uh, decrease their fear. And as a result, help to reduce pain overall. Yeah, exactly. So taking people through, you know, uh, their, their fearful tasks um, and staging it and, you know, taking them step by step and helping them, that 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 is a big part of exercise, as you said. Yeah, and we love exercise. <laughs> I believe Rob actually wore a, a, very, a very small white skirt to make him feel at home and as if he was in a tent <laughs> during the treatment. I believe that's right, isn't it, Rob? <laughs> I, I thought I had a lot of patients like this last week, actually. That's maybe that's the reason. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, weird. People keep trying to book in, yeah. <laughs> with, with tennis balls in their shorts. <laughs> anyway, back on track. Yes, <laughs> yes. So yeah, to it. we looked at lots of exercises which worked. Were there any exercises which you say, or looking at the research, don't work for lower back pain? So now you mentioned that you know, as if massage isn't very good long term, and certain medications aren't very mm. good long term. Are there any exercises which should be avoided? Okay, well, I wouldn't say. Just, yeah, I mean, um, what I, what I would say is that say stretching exercise, um, according to our analysis, isn't really effective for chronic back pain. Um, uh, I would, it doesn't mean you should avoid it. Um, I, we didn't find anything that was harmful per se, um, but um, there are there are, do appear to be kinds of exercise that are, that are less effective than others. So, for example, we're stretching exercise, and um, I mean, also we also included McKenzie exercise in our in our in our study um, as well too. But that's sort of a different, a slightly different kettle of fish, um, uh, and. Um, so, stretching exercise one was the most obvious that it wasn't very effective um, for for chronic back pain. But I but as, what I think is important message for your listeners is that um, at least there's no there's none of the exercise was shown to be harmful, right, or, or make things worse. So um, uh, that can be a vote of a vote of confidence for exercise in in in, in that path. No, that that's true. And for, for those who yeah, query stretching and people think that you know, oh, well, actually stretching really helps. And I've been given these stretches. If we go back two episodes, we did a whole back myth busting episode with dr sam spinelli who's a physical therapist from america um mm -hmm. and we spoke about stretching for about 20 minutes and about how you know the research tells us that stretching are you take a muscle and stretch it to its end and you get that you know sensation that everyone knows mm -hmm. is a stretch you do get some short-term benefits however those stretch you have to hold a stretch for you know 30 seconds to 90 seconds to really actually have any short-term change and within an hour two hours, that muscle length has returned to where it was before. So yes, you might get that mm. kind of short term and it might feel nice and you might stand up and feel a bit better. But long term, as you said, you know, it's not mm. effective when you're comparing that to, you know, resistance training or Pilates yeah. or, you know, the other methods you, you kind of mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it sort of also loops back to what we we're talking about before about, about building confidence. The stretching, you know, stretching feels good, as you said, um, and you feel, you feel good short term, but does it, you know, stretching is not something we need to do for our work. Usually, mm, yeah. right? Or it's not something we need to do in our daily life to 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 do you know, to do our stuff around the house or, or get around the world. Yeah, so, and that's interesting. Yeah. That's the same when we talk, when I asked Sam about stretching, and he's written quite extensively on it. He said, "Well, my first question is, why do you need to stretch? You know, and you know, and if you kind of unpack that a bit, you can think of you know what are you trying to gain by stretching, which it can't be gained by doing something more productive, um, a strengthening, mm. or you know, a program around fear product fear reduction, or yeah, you know, those type of uh, <laughs> that type of approach, I guess. Yeah, it'd be nice to get into stretching more, but that's sort of getting in an area that's not my. There's some missing stuff that I read about stretching, but uh, that's not my area, so I'm going to keep my my mouth shut. No, yeah. 
So do do your results from this um, match or are they similar to, you know, any other similar studies that have been done in the area or, you know, I know yours is the kind of the, the largest it's been done for a long time, if not ever, but uh, um, is yeah anything similar? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, as, as I mentioned, like, there's, there's no other sort of network meta-analysis that's been done yet. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's other groups that are, that are trying to do it as well too, but um, yeah, I mean, it's more or less in line with what was shown in, in say, certain pairwise meta-analyses. So there's one looking at Pilates, one's looking at stabilisation exercise, one's looking at yoga, those sorts of things. Um, and um, uh, so it's, it, it is more or less in line with what those um, with what those prior studies found. And but as as we discussed at the start, you know, this was about trying trying to bring it all together and and uh, and see which which kinds of exercise are more effective or, or more or less the same amount of effectiveness. No, brilliant, and it's definitely something that I think if you have back pain or have any form of a, a you know lower back pain. It's something that people should go in and and obviously listen to this podcast, but then actually have a read of the paper itself and have a look at that infographic which you've produced, which you know, uh, you know, help people understand. And after listening to this podcast, we'll have a bit more of an understanding around, you know, what goes into producing a study and 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 uh, you yeah. know, how difficult it is. How long did it take for you to uh, for you to write this? It actually took a lot a lot longer than we thought. Uh, you know, we <laughs> we started off with the with the study. I think it was in um, two thousand and. 17 i think it was maybe in 2016 the actual initial idea and we'll we were support but i should mention we'll, we'll, we got partially funded for the study from um from musculoskeletal australia to to help us implement the study um and that all started back in 2017 and uh, uh initially we thought oh because it's only we can we can do the search there's only a couple of thousand of studies to screen but as we sort of now got it down more and more detail and, and mapped it out and up being ten thousand studies to sift through and um uh, and it ended up, yeah, a lot, lo- a lot longer than we thought it would. Um, and uh, finally, I think we had the uh, the analyses done um, mid last year. Um, yes, yeah, so yeah, mid mid twenty nineteen, and then submitted it to to a journal soon after that. And um, and then it was eventually published um, uh, um, in uh, at, the, at the end of last year. So it, yeah. it did actually take quite a while. Um, but prior to it being published, we we did actually revise the search, which means which means that. Um, when we initially submitted the, the actual search, so the, the literature was already two years old because it just took us so long to to do all of it. Um, and before it got accepted in the journal, they they asked us to to revise to redo the search to get to get the last extra two years of, of literature. Um, so th- that way, we we made sure that it was it was fresh and up to date when it when it hit the press. Oh wow, so, that's, a, that's, a, that's a it's such a huge project. And for those who don't <laughs> who don't do any research, know know what goes into you know producing papers like this on on the scale so congratulations yeah, for, is, it, for producing this thanks it's yeah, it's also what well, my team you know did, did a lot of the legwork or almost almost all legwork for 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 the for the searches the screening the extracting and and the analyses in the team and uh, and writing up as well too so it's it's a massive team effort to get it all done and yeah. uh, um, i'm sure i'm talking with you guys here now about it but obviously it's everyone on the team has, has contributed to it amazing so the other I mean, question that, that's uh, oh, uh, just quickly um daniel you mentioned that there were 89 studies that then compiled into the paper. Um, mm-hmm. How many studies did you have to look through to find those 89 studies that were appropriate? Um, uh, a lot more or, or, or yeah, fairly simple? Yeah, a lot, a, lot, a lot more. I mean, it was, I mean, you, you can make it as, you can, can make it broader or narrower. I mean, for mm-hmm. us, it was, it was, in ours, it was nine and a half thousand that we sifted through to, to narrow down to those to the 89. Um, wow. 
and that is a big number. Um, but I mean, having sort of a, a broader search means you that you don't you don't you, you don't miss as much stuff. Um, mm. And also, we obviously look at the prior meta analysis that have been done and pull in there the studies that they included um, to make sure we don't miss stuff that that's already been that's, that's that has been looked at before. Um, because you might do your database searches, and we, we we follow the guidelines that you know the the Cochrane guidelines that get advised for how what database you should search and how. Um, mm. um, but also part of that is looking at the prior studies to to see you know which ones they included to help find to sit to find as much as possible. And um, so yeah, it's uh, it's I mean the goal like all research is hard. You can sometimes you know it, it's uh, we I, I sometimes I get amazed at how 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 good we humans are at making research harder. Um, or make it complicated, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, that just is what it is. I mean, it's uh, it's a really interesting, uh, fascinating area of work, and um, you mm. know, it's it's also great that it can make a difference to to advice to patients as well. Mm. So then, for for people who who don't un- understand this, what goes into why a study is better than others? So why of that, you know, nine and a half thousand, were the eighty nine that you picked? Were they, you know? better studies you know what was your exclusion criteria for, for not selecting a study yeah um so it, it wasn't so much about which ones were better i mean we we did um i'll, I'll answer your question as the exclusion criteria in a second in terms of we we we, we rated how good inverted commerce studies were um based upon the problems risk of bias criteria so applied that to the studies to see you know how well was randomization done what, what kind of blinding did the did the did, did the person doing the measurements know what the um what group the patients are in, those sorts of things, you know, how blinded were they and, and other factors. That, that's what we're looking at how good inverted commas the studies are. Um, in terms of the, the exclusion and inclusion criteria, um, uh, I mean, the, the, the first key one is that we ensured they were about exercise. So I alluded to this at the start that we um, excluded studies that say mix exercise in with other kinds of therapy, say so exercise mixed with, with psychological treatment or with education or with, with manual therapy, chiropractic um, interventions, if that was in the same group, right? Because you might have exercise compared to manual therapy, right, in, in a different mm. group. If they're in the same group together, we didn't include those because it's like, well, you don't know, was it exercise or was it manual therapy or was it both or whatever? And it, it's, you don't know what, so what, what was actually effective from that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that was probably the one criteria that led to a lot of studies not being in, included um, um, because it's just, yeah, I, there's been studies done with, I mean, I've done where they've looked at those kinds of studies where they've where they've just assumed, okay, if it was more or less, you know, 50, if it was more or less 50% um, uh, exercise, they said it was exercise. Um, and you can sort of see that how you want to see it, but that's, we decide, look, we want to make sure it's about exercise and not about something else. And um um, so that was the, one of the important criteria. Obviously, it had to be a randomised controlled trial. So, you know, at least two groups um, where patients are randomised one or the other, they can't choose or the therapists don't choose what exercise, what type of intervention gets done. Um, what else did we have? Oh, another thing we, I mean, we wanted to make sure there was at least 20 um, uh, subjects in the study um, or 20 patients in the study, um, mainly because we just wanted to be one of those really small studies where, where there's a higher risk that you get, you get sort of extreme effects in, in a small group of patients. Um, mm-hmm. and there's a few more, but th- those are some of, some of the, some of the major ones that are, that are relevant. Brilliant. So this, this is, this is the, the sort of A to Z of picking good quality data there. Um, uh, Anyone can go out there and find a study that agrees with what they'd like it to say. Mm. But this, this is the the way to find good quality data with relevant research that applies to 
to what you're doing. Um, yes, that's fantastic. But much harder work, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, actually, one thing I, I forgot to mention, which we didn't touch on, we looked in, in, the, in the study at chronic non-specific low back pain. So um, non-specific back pain is a, uh, a catch-all term for things that, this is going to sound silly, that, that aren't specific. Um, so things like, say, if you have radicular pain, so if you have, say, sciatica, Right, that that's mm. considered that's that's a, a radicular pain syndrome, right? Or if you have, say, osteoporosis or a vertebral fracture or uh, or, or cancer, but getting back pain from that, that's a specific kind of back pain, right? So once you exclude those specific causes and those radicular syndromes, everything else, which tends to include dysdegeneration, discherniation, even spondylolisthesis, um, those the, those will come into the into the into the the, the non-specific category. Um, and so we're looking at non-specific um, uh, chronic low back pain, and um, uh, uh, which is just something I just think it's important to point out today. We're also not looking at acute back pain. So someone who's yeah. just hurt their back, mm. exercise isn't part of the recommendations if you've just hurt your back, all right? Um, and also not at subacute back pain as well too. So that's that's pain that's been been around for subacute. I think oh, don't pin me on this one. It's been up to twelve weeks, whereas chronic is then twelve weeks or more. Yeah, yeah. So. The results of this study then, which I know we've kind of touched on, that, you know, the Pilates, yep. resistance, kind of the aerobic type training and stabilization appears to be overarchingly, you know, the best type of, you know, best mode of exercises to be doing for mm. this chronic low back pain. Has this, you know, as results of this study impacted any guidelines or been adopted by anything or kind of moved forward in... Uh, yeah, as I said, in, in guidelines or frameworks for low back pain for people, uh, n- not not yet. I mean, I'm sure it will. I mean, it's it's a reasonably recent study, so it's it only, only just published. You know, a few a few okay. Well, we're in July now, so it's about um, eight months ago. But um, mm. the wheels of guidelines, they, when they get revised, I'm sure they'll include um, our findings in, in their considerations. And um, uh, um, so it hasn't been included yet. But I'm obviously it's you know we're, we're talking now about the findings of this and um, and uh, other you know. The media outlets have so spoken about it, and um, uh, it, it, I'm sure it will fit into guidelines, but just just a matter of time. And I'm sure also um, that you know people who write guidelines like studies to be replicated from from different groups, not just from one group. Um, so um, I'm sure other, they'll be wanting to see the other groups um, are having similar findings as well too. Are people working on on that same question from other other competitive competing groups? I, 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 be, I believe they are. I've heard they yeah. are. <laughs> Brilliant. We, we, yeah, so we, 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 won't, we won't put you on the spot and name and shame, but I'm sure it won't be as good as this one, will it? So. <laughs> of course it won't be, mate. No. Of course it won't be. <laughs> and, and but also, you know, this this was published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, and if you yeah. don't know anything about journals, you know journals are you know graded by kind of how reputable they are you know there are journals which are mm. better than others and they only accept research of a very high standard um you know and the british journal of sports medicine is one of those you know one of one of those journals you know you to get published in in, in journals like this and, and and other big name journals it has to be of very very high quality um you know so it's not you know i, I can't write a study tomorrow on my on my computer and send it off to the british journal of sports medicine and and, and expect it to be published in their december issue it doesn't quite work like that i'm afraid <laughs> That's true. Uh, as much yeah. as I would like it to. Perfect. Was there anything else you'd like to kind of just add in or you feel that we haven't included in the study that you feel that, you know, back pain sufferers should know about the research into exercise for chronic lower back pain? Look, I think, I think we've covered a lot of ground. Um, uh, I mean, I think I mean, for, for patients out there, I think one of the, if, you, if, you, if you ask someone who's got chronic back pain, um, you know, one of the key things is that it, it can be helped. Um, I mean, exercise is, is one of the effective treatments for, for chronic back pain. I think 
know, talking to your to your health professional sites, your you know your physiotherapists, sports physiotherapists, clinical sites physiologists, people who've got that exercise training, they can build a program for you, such as what you're talking about with the patient beforehand, with the with the fear of, of tennis or those kind of movements in 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 their sport. Um, and that you know there there are ways to to help. Um, I mean, and exercise isn't the only only treatment. Um, and I think a lot of it is also about developing that that trust and rapport with the person who's guiding, who's treating you, guiding you through that through that program, uh, will make a huge difference as well too. And um, but yeah, so if you, the take home message, if there, if you are someone suffering from chronic back pain, that there is help out there. And exercise um, uh, is is an important treatment for that, and uh, and can be helped with it. Brilliant. I think that's a that's a fantastic takeaway message that if you are not doing some form of exercise for for your lower back pain. You probably should be, um, unless you have a very good reason not to. <laughs> but I would probably ask the person who's who's, uh, who, who's who's treating you as to why why not. I guess mm. perfect, David. Anything else from anything else more from you? No, I'm in awe. I'm uh, I, I'm secretly uh, reading the the study on the fly on my other window here. Uh, yeah, fantastic stuff. Uh, we must mention uh, we will have the uh, the link. It is an open access and and, and free for all to download. Uh, we will have the link to this very paper in our podcast notes. Yeah, perfect. Okay, well, thank you, Rob. Thank you, Dave. And we'll pop up a pop, pop up a photo on our Instagram of the actual infographic as well, so people can uh, and and have a look at that the takeaway information. That'd be great. Okay, cheers, gentlemen. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Rob. Fantastic. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us, Daniel. Uh, Thank you. Do you want us to just remind us where, uh, who you are and where people can find out more about you? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Daniel Bellaby. I'm an Associate Professor for Exercise and Musculoskeletal Health at Deakin University's Institute for Physical Activity and Nutrition in Melbourne, Australia. Um, the best way to find me is to Google me right now. You can't come and visit me right now. It's kind of hard to get into Australia if you're outside of Australia. It's hard to get into Melbourne if you're outside of Melbourne. We're, we're in lockdown right now. Again. Mm-hmm. And, uh but, uh, but yeah, so you can reach out, just Google me and you can reach out via email and I'm also on Twitter at Bellaby Spine uh, on Twitter and you can reach out to me there. Perfect. Links, links to those will all be in the show notes. So thank you very much, gentlemen, for joining us. Thank you for taking uh, time out of your very early morning over there. And you've already been for a run and it's 6am, so it's very impressive, yep. actually. <laughs> you've got to get it in before the, <laughs> yeah. before the temperature rises, I guess. And, uh... Precisely, precisely. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Well, have a lovely rest of your day. And uh, Dave, have a lovely evening. And uh, we will catch you very soon on the next episode of the Back Pain Podcast. Thank you and good night. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Right, yeah.